This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make America Grape Again. I'm your host, Cody Burkett, CSW. And I am Elizabeth Krecker. I am not the host, but I'm thoroughly enjoying being part of this podcast. So today... We're going to introduce a new wild card, so to speak, into our collection here. And that is going to be fruit wines. The wine we are looking at today, focusing on the state of Maine, is the Wild Blueberry Wine, semi-dry, from Bartlett Maine Estate Winery in Goldsboro, Maine. I've never actually had a blueberry wine, um, because it's not something that you... Blueberries, in general, you don't really see them out here in Arizona, unless you really hunt for them. You see them in the grocery store. Yeah, you, you see them in the grocery store and that's it. It's like, wait, these things grow on bushes? They grow wild on bushes and they're not the same blueberries that you see in the grocery store. So what's the main difference? The main difference is they don't have, they have about half amount of the sugar as blueberries that you'd find in the grocery store and they have double the antioxidants. So much healthier. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And, and less sweet, too. And they which, don't, but, which has been my worry about, about looking at this. And it's got this beautiful, beautiful label, too. They have a deep purplish hue compared to cultivated blueberries, which are a much paler blue compared to these. And they're tinier. And they're beautiful. They just cover the hillsides. And you don't necessarily see the blueberries until they burst. And, and not burst, but you know, kind of explode as blueberries in, in August. And then suddenly, everywhere you look, you see blueberries. That sounds really cool. It's really cool. So my understanding, after a brief search on the interwebs, is that blueberry winemaking is not all that dissimilar from some grape winemaking, and generally you do run them through a crusher to stemmer like you would your average grape. Whether you're fermenting on the skins, I was not able to find. Um, but I imagine you're probably not fermenting on the skins, because unlike red grapes, that color is in the juice, right? Yes, it is. So you wouldn't need to let it sit on the skins no. for, for tannins and color. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Not having really tasted this yet, because I'm, I'm going to go in completely and utterly blind on this episode. <laughs> uh, most other episodes, we, we sip the wine and talk about it a little bit before recording to kind of have our thoughts coherent. But I've decided to go in entirely blind on this one because I'm a sucker for punishment. Uh, or maybe pleasure. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but just to come in with no expectations whatsoever. So there are just 20 wineries in Maine. Just 20. That's a tiny, tiny number. Very tiny. When year-round temperatures are rounded up, Maine is the coldest state in the Union, even colder than Alaska. Maine wineries are only open from late summer to early autumn. So if you show up on, on May 31st, you won't find a winery open. Yeah, you were saying that when you went to get this bottle, the winery was closed? It was, and I was there on June 2nd. Wow. <laughs> but they weren't open yet. They weren't going to open till for a couple more days. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you acquire this then from a liquor store? Or? I, well, I acquired it from a wine store. There's one wine store on the island of Mount Desert Island that has just a spectacular selection of wines, and they had several wines from this from Bartlett Wines. So the color is just this it's dark. And it's purple. And purple. It's like... <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> it actually it reminds me of a Graciano in color, like the, the Chateau Tumbley Graciano. Because it's got that same sort of vibrant purple shade. Kind of, but it's got a little blue around the rim that I don't think I've ever seen in a grape wine. True. 
It's just a beautiful wine. Yeah, I love the shade and the color. I guess the, the main smell, I mean, obviously someone would say, oh, duh, that's blueberries. But since, you know, I don't really have much of a, a basis of knowledge for blueberries, it makes me think of um, well, blackcurrant. Um, oh, there's a little bit of an underlying warm spice, like mulling spices underneath as well. Sort of like cinnamon and nutmeg and allspice and baked apples, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a little, little hint of blackberry too, just a little dark fruit. Yeah. Of course, Maine wild blueberries are really dark too, so that could be the blueberry. Yeah, I mean, I've. I'll be honest, I've never actually eaten blueberries. Oh. So, shock, surprise. If I would have known that, I would have brought you a piece of blueberry pie. Aww. <laughs> I've had blueberry muffins, but that doesn't really count because it's in the muffin. I've never had blueberries on its own. That's, again, because it's not a fruit that you find in. Uh, in Arizona, really, anywhere. It does have a wonderful aroma, though. Yeah, the, the nose is just... It makes me think almost of, like, winter and sitting around... Yeah, it's got a little pine. Yeah. little pine tree, just a little... And it may be pine trees that are growing around the blueberries, to tell you the truth, that are giving it that aroma. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that this is a thing with some wines, like uh, there's a vineyard in Napa... That's famous for that the eucalyptus character in its wines because there's eucalyptus trees surrounding it mm-hmm. in the vineyard. So, do the local pines affect the the blueberries? Could very well. I don't know. This is a wild thing for me. I've you know I've not super familiar with fruit wines to begin with. Uh, number two, again, like I've said, I've never had much experience with blueberries, which probably there are those of you listening to this that are like, oh dear God. it's and it's i don't think this is going to be you know like blueberry juice kind of blueberries it's not like i don't i'm i'm not gathering that this is going to be a very sugary wine yeah and you were mentioning that the wild ones tend to be less sweet they tend to be less sweet and this is particularly this is called a semi-dry wine so it should be fairly dry off dry probably let's find out moment of truth okay That's weird. It's delicious. Don't listen to him. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't really use my wine words to describe it because it's... But you're right. It doesn't fit in with the wine language that we both know. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's, it's, I feel heat in my esophagus, which for one is interesting, even though it's only 11, what, 11.5. Compared to the other ones that we've had today, this mm-hmm. is the lowest alcohol wine of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm feeling the heat from the alcohol, which I wouldn't expect from a, a, a such a low... What's the word I'm looking for? Low alcohol wines? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, this is not what I would expect from such a low alcohol wine. It's got a, it's it's got a big character on the mouth. It too. really fills your mouth with flavor. Yeah, it's juicy and, and mm-hmm. almost... Not quite as smooth as velvet, but it's still very... Yeah, this is a hard wine to, to use words for. Yeah. It's got something green on the palate, too. And yeah. maybe it's more of that pine that we were smelling. Yeah, I could get that, so that sort of like pine or mm-hmm. Douglas fir character almost. Definitely blackberry. Definitely blueberry. Yeah. As it... <laughs> Although it's funny, we taste wine that's made from grapes. I don't ever taste grapes in the wine. Yeah, but well, for... so many 
Well, the table grips that are used, that you usually encounter, are so different. Many cases from the ones that are used for wine. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some overlap in some places, like in the south with muscadine. In Turkey, uh, Thompson Seedless is known as Sultanaye, and they make wine from that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was in Istanbul, staying at my hostel, one of the wines was a, a Sultanaye blend. Huh. Um, uh, yeah. and we're tangenting here, so I'll stop talking about Turkish wine. <laughs> uh, other than it's good, and if you see it, try it. I think this is much lighter than I expected it to be. Yeah. Because it's such a dark color, I thought this would be a big wine, like a big Petit Syrah or a big Cabernet. That's the other thing that we're missing in this wine, too, is yeah. tannins. Yeah. And that's part of the thing that's throwing me for this wine is I am expecting there to be tannins. Mm-hmm. And there isn't any. Mm-hmm. Because my brain is telling me this is a dark, big, bold red. This has tannins. This will have tannins. It's going to be super tannic because look how dark it is. Oh, my God. It's going to be as tannic as Tanat or, or Ionico or Saparavi. It's, actually, this color reminds me a lot of Saparavi. Now it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Which, uh, another grape that needs more love. We, we will meet Saparavi eventually. I promise. I have a New York bottle of it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, it's fun, it's interesting, it's weird. It's kind of, to me, not having that experience with blueberries is kind of a mindfuck. <laughs> honestly. Um, I think it's delicious. But it's delicious, but it's not but what it's I'm also, expecting. I think the interesting thing to me is it's much lighter than I would have thought. It's not quite as light as a Pinot Noir, but it's it's like on the lighter end of, like if you look at the scale of wines on the end of light to dark, it's towards that lighter end, maybe yeah. just a bare step above Pinot Noir, you know? And um, so, I mean, I think it would pair well with something, pair well more with like salmon, maybe with a fruit sauce served with it Honestly, than it would with steak. I kind of want to do this with, uh, even though I've never had one, so this is, you know, talking off my rocker here, probably. I kind of want to pair this with a blueberry pie <laughs> and actually use the wine in part of the, the sauce base. Huh. For it. To me, that would be too much blueberry. I'd like to pair this with pork with cherries or... Okay, pork with cherries, I can yeah, totally see. Salmon with pesto, like like sauces. Like, needs sauces with it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. This is an interesting one. So, this should have been a, a clearer thing to talk about at the beginning, but uh, I'm going to bring this up now before we close. Uh, a fruit wine is a wine where your fermentable sugars are not coming, obviously, from grapes, but coming from different fruits. So in this case, obviously, the fermentable sugars are coming from the juice of the blueberry, and the sugars are in that blueberry juice. Versus, say, a wine, would obviously, it's coming from the grapes. Now, I think the reason why this wine obviously has no tannins is because it's not on the skins. To get this color into red, you would need to ferment this on the skins. You don't need to do that with a fruit wine. Which I think is, again, one of the reasons why this wine is so weird for me. Well, personally, I think it's really delicious, but it is different. It's not, you can't taste it and go, ooh, this is like a Merlot or this yeah. is like a Pinot Noir or something like that. You know, no, you've got to really look at it as its own thing. Now, it forces us to kind of change our linguistic approach to describing wine. There's this great book uh, I read a while back that I highly recommend for, for anyone who's super geeky about wine and language. Uh, called Wine and Philosophy, basically the philosophy of wine. And there's a whole chapter in there about the words we use to describe wine. What do they mean? And what do we mean when 
part of defining a wine is in the words that we use to describe a wine. Mm -hmm. And if a wine bucks the linguistic stereotype, and this was not a thing that was talked about in the book, surprisingly, because they were just talking about grape wines, but this is a wine that changes the, the philosophical dimension where of talking about wine. It really does. Because we can't use those same language of tannins um, and flavor profiles as much in describing this wine as, say, the wine in our last episode, the Iapetus. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't describe this the same, so it forces us to kind of think about um, the language we use to describe wines. And I love wines that make me think. So while I'm not 100% sold on the taste of this wine yet, I think I need to sit with this a little bit more to try and wrap my head around it. Uh, I like the idea that it's challenging my perspective of uh, how do I describe wine? How do I... If I was going to write an article on this wine, how would I write about it? You know, what words would I use? That sort of fun nature is is pretty fantastic. Uh, But anyway, until next time, Make America Grape Again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at the AZ Wine Monk, or on Twitter at CV Burkett. Be sure to also check out our website, Make America Grape Again Podcast. I am Elizabeth Krecker with the fabulous photographer Janelle Bonifield. I am writer of the soon-to-be-published Arizona Wine, the vineyards, wineries, and winemakers of the Grand Canyon State. You can find out more about my travels in the wine world at grapeexploration.com. 